Miss Yarra the Bird. Greetings, heathens. Welcome to Hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism, culture, and life in general through the eyes of modern Satanists. My name is Joseph Rose. I'm a member of an amazing independent congregation called Satanic Delco, and we welcome members from everywhere in the world. If you want to learn a little bit more about that, visit satanicdelco.com. Today, We're going to take a break from our examination of the Satanic Bible and just have a listen to a classic album. First, let's acknowledge some lovely Satanists that have joined up with us on Patreon. We've got Skyen, Broxy, Joseph, Michaela, Lauren, Bridget, Lori, Luke, Cody, Kana, Wicca, Nick, Michael, and Gnarly Sage. Thank you, guys. Your support is what makes this all possible, of course, and I appreciate you all very much. If you have a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You'll find links to join me on social media, a form to send me an email, and a link to join up with us all on Patreon. We have a few different tiers to choose from with various benefits including the Greetings from Hell Satanic Postcard of the Month Club. That is the most direct way you can support me and this show if you'd like to do that. Visit HailSatanPodcast.com. All right. We are now joined by our special guest. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Hello. Satanic adjacent, Jeremy Lawrencewood. Jerry. Mm Mm-hmm. Since you brought it up, let me ask you a question. Do you yet openly identify as a Satanist? Absolutely not. You do not? No. You're still in the closet Satanist? No, there's no financial gain <laughs> or any type of gain to naming myself as a Satanist. And we've talked about this before yeah. where um, uh, there are a bunch, there are closet. I love what you guys do. I love the seven. I love the seven tenants or whatever you do. Uh, but, <laughs> it, it, but the idea – but really – and again, I don't want anyone – I don't want to offend anyone – that's okay. But you, this, you have the right to offend. I guess that's one of the tenets. Right. Uh, there are, it's turned into a real religion. Like, I guess so. Yeah. It turned into a real, like, you know, there's the uh, Vatican, there's Joel Osteen, and now there's uh, Satanic Delco. Malcolm Jerry. Is that his name? <laughs> <laughs> there is a Malcolm Jerry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these, these people are all figureheads and they're all making bank, real money. Joel Osteen, more than anybody. Actually, well, actually, I take that back. The Vatican is probably stacking chips. Yeah, probably, they are yeah. making good money. And if they ever had like a garage sale, like if they started like selling, I think shit the, Vatican the Vatican is probably just straight up selling children for untold sums of money. Wasn't there? Yeah, I think they were the ones. With the, what was it? Sky Mall or some like somebody was selling mattresses at like a yeah. high price, and they thought they were packing children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was that whole thing about uh, what was the website? Um, I forget what it was. Uh, I can't think of it. It, it starts with a W, right? Yeah, it wasn't Sky Mall. It's like some regular website. I've I've ordered from the website. I can't think of the name right now, but yeah, there was like something where if you order this certain kitchen cabinet, 
you get like a kid or something. It's like <laughs> some it bullshit. Yeah, some expensive. bullshit conspiracy. It's obscenely expensive. So that's why would I say anything uh, affiliated with anything when everyone's just sort of making money off it? Once I say I'm part of something, then I'll have to believe in it, and then it will ask me for money. <laughs> just like marriage, just just like marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like why would I want to commit? Yeah, marriage is a scary cult. It's a, it is a cult. It's a it's a it's, it's usually a two person cult unless you're believe in polygamy. Then it's a many person cult. Yeah, this is going to come up more. This is I'm, I'm sorry, off topic for just a moment. This is going to come up in a future episode at some point. But I'm going to really dial in on that cult uh, idea and term. That word, I have feelings, and I've talked about them a little bit, but I'm gonna. It's gonna become more of a thing in the future. It's a blanket thing. If you have any one person leading any one movement, and it's not like a corporation, which I believe is a financial cult in some way. There's a sure a a culture. There's a credo. There's a there's a handbook. You do this and that, and and there's not much difference between a, um, a KPMG versus. Scientology, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to have you have to work work it within ethics and stuff like that. You know, yeah. Citibank. So your is your main turn off just to the idea of an organized religion generally, like an organization? Mm-hmm. Is that the organized an organization that will ask me for things is not that mm-hmm. uh, even in the Christian religion, uh, lift a, a, a lift a stone. I am there. Da, 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 da. You don't need the building. Yeah, you don't need tithing. Is a fairly recent thing. You know, to get to it was you know in lieu of it was the religious tax, mm. you know, and, and I watched it happen all the time. Here's money, and I get keeping a building, like for a church, I get it for a singular. I thing. can imagine. I mean, I've never had a church. I would love to get one, but I imagine they are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Well, you, um, not and being, these people, man, they there's well, so many churches. You're not being taxed. Yeah. So you're out That's of that. You're out of that realm, but you do have to maintain, keep the lights on, sure. and all that stuff. So I understand a, a little bit of a donation, but every fucking week. <laughs> There's the, and I would look at this thing, and me being, you know, not a criminal, but given to uh, uh, easy ways out. This little, this this fucking bucket full of money would pass by me. I was like, why don't I just, why don't I just sample a little bit? Why don't I just take a take a handful of this money? Yeah, as it passes by me. Yeah, let me just steal. <laughs> let me just from steal this. some money from this religion. <laughs> Real nice, Jerry. Yeah, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in giving you money, and, and so I don't see any difference between corporate, uh, of religion. You know, once I have to believe in something, I have to pay it. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I, but uh, but this, what's the great thing about being on this show? It's free. Not <laughs> it is it is free <laughs> to just come on the show. I do appreciate that. Thank you for having me. And I do love all the kind words that you guys that you guys say about me. And yeah, I our, our listeners are very fond of you. I always get feedback when you're on the show. They say we want more Jerry. I love very, Jerry. I'm a very happy person. Yeah. And today, Jerry, perhaps a special treat. I don't know if if you will enjoy it or how our listeners will feel, but this is a special one for me. Mm-hmm. This is a creation that came into the world when I was very young. I was a very um, moldable young mind at the time, and boy, did it ever send me in a direction. Today, Jerry, we're talking about Shout at the Devil. Uh-huh. It is the second studio album by American heavy metal band Motley Crue. It was released on September 26th, 1983. It was the band's breakthrough album, establishing Motley Crue as one of the top-selling heavy metal acts of the 1980s. This album, Jerry, was huge for me. I was a very young kid around, you know, the early 80s, you know, 
MTV had just come about in 81 or 82. And Looks That Kill was a song mm-hmm. from this album that appeared on the screen one day. Now, I think I'd already been aware of Motley Crue. My mom was a fan, and they had other music videos out there. So I think I was aware of them. But Looks That Kill is the one that really just fucking hit me over the head, and I could not turn away. I saw this thing. The riff was killer. Even my tiny little mind at that time knew a riff when it hit me. Hmm. And this one was a riff. And then I saw this fucking video on my TV full of these wild-looking characters, these dudes in this band. I had never seen anything quite like it. They looked awesome and cool. And the video has this, I don't know, sort of post-apocalyptic scene going on where the band is playing, and they are all these monochromatic women sort of around. I don't know. It's hard to really – what are they? Are they slaves of some kind or workers? What are they? I don't know. a bunch of shit like that. Remember Rat, where the yes. woman was taking off her skin on the yes. stairwell? Like, well, it's mildly It was sexy, a theme but, of the you know, era. But this, again, reading Dirt, or reading the Dirt and watching them – that was their thing. They were going for a road warrior yes. look. And, yeah, it was and, very much that. Mm-hmm. And what a and what they were doing in their personal lives in nineteen. Oh well, yeah, I didn't know about is, any of that at is, the time. Is, no, that, but that, just that, the visual and the uh-huh. cool sound and everything. And of course, in the video at this during this era, the album is of course "Shout at the Devil." The band was particularly fond of pe- the pentagram, pentagram and red and black was mm-hmm. abound. And in the video, there's even – I think there's a pentagram maybe on Tommy Lee's kick drum. Sure. And in the video with its 1983 special effects, the pentagram like spins and flies off the <laughs> off the kick drum and it's like a screen effect, you know. And later, and, and later Tommy Lee, he, yeah. would, he would do all these like gymnastics with these drums. Yeah, wild drum kits that would spin around. interesting and, album. And, and I, my, my hook for that was the, t- was the titular track. And Shout out the devil! What a great word, by the way, titular. Titular. And then, and, 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 uh, but like, I I remember buying a ticket to see Motley Crue at the at the FU Center at the time, the First Union Center. Yeah. Uh, just to hear "Shout at the Devil," mm. and then because that's that's how I didn't know that's how they started their shit off. Uh, my roommate at the that's time, what Ron, they opened up the show with. It, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Why wouldn't you? It's yeah. the way to start. Sure, sure. And then um, my roommate at the time, Ryan, uh, was buying cocaine in the bathroom, so all I hear, I I have to stand watch, you know. And then, like, all I hear is the beginning, like, bass drum. I'm like, well, this fucking ruined it. Like, that was the only one I wanted to see. Like, that and, and it Looks Like Kill and Dr. Feelgood were, right. like, I was going to go for that. But, like, dude, you ruined it. Yeah. Like, we're going to get fucking tooted, bro. Like, I don't want to get tooted, man. <laughs> tooted. And I missed it. I missed all of I missed. I've all never of been Shouted tooted. Should I try it? No. No. I don't think you need it, man. Yeah, I don't. I That's don't, the thing about cocaine. I don't really want it. Hey, hail Satanist. Let me tell you something about cocaine. Cocaine is only good for the 30 seconds after you do it, and the best part of, and the worst part about it is that you can't do it again. You're going to keep trying to get more cocaine, and that's the problem. Yeah. There's never enough cocaine. Yeah, I've always said there's just never enough cocaine. They, it is, it's a t-shirt. <laughs> Welcome to go to the go to say, HailSatan. HailSatan.com <laughs> and purchase your never enough cocaine Satan shirt. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude, can you imagine fucking uh, your, little, your little Baphomet? Like uh, doing a little key bump, like you know, just to just get. <laughs> what it, is the matter with you, with the Jerry? two with the two fingers? Keep right it together nose, with this right up his nose. Doing Jerry, it. this is a professional broadcast. Is it? Yes, you're doing a Motley Crue album. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. What else? Okay, so I was exposed to this album, saw the video, loved it. Uh, in fact, this probably that video, or at least those early Motley videos, is where I decided 
I wanted to play bass. I do mm. play bass. That's been my primary instrument that I've ever played in my life. And that was the birth of it because I just saw Nikki Six on yeah. the screen and he just looked like the coolest motherfucker mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. I was like, I don't even know what that is. Is that a guitar? What What are they doing? I want to do whatever this fucking guy right. is doing. And, and eventually I did. And they were just the coolest. And I fell in love. I don't know where I was at the moment I saw this video, if I was already into it or not. But by the time, you know, after I saw it, I was in love with all of the imagery. You know, I loved whatever the fuck a pentagram was. I was like, that's cool as fuck. And even though I didn't understand all of everything, you know, lyrical content and all of the image stuff, I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. I just knew that I liked it and I knew that it was cool. And I also had a sense that it was whatever the word is, edgy somehow. It was a counterculture. It was. It pointed. It pushed gender barriers because they were. There was a lot of makeup. Yeah. Hair. Well, that was true of all of those eighties. Those eighties bands, bands. But you they know? they did it differently, where it was um a lot more menacing. Yeah. Like Poison didn't have that. Uh, oh, definitely. Slaughter. I mean, Mark Slaughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing big. Like like this became kind of big. This was like their breakthrough album, you know, and so it did get a bit popular. And there was nothing like that. In the mainstream, Mm -hmm. you know, there were bands out there in the early eighties, some of these metal bands doing some stuff, but they weren't, they didn't reach the mainstream to me the way this did. Right. And, and I've always credited, you know, I, I guess, you know, sometimes I'm half joking, but really it's true. This album played a role in me becoming a Satanist. Hmm. Like it just, it planted a seed or, or watered a seed that was already planted of just all of that stuff, the counterculture, the rebellion, um, the aesthetic, all of that, I, the attitude, mm-hmm. just the, the an appreciation for blasphemy and yeah. and just all of that. They shocked you. Yeah, and up, upsetting the squares. Right, and I, I, they did it to great effect, and it just it just did nothing else like it existed. Yeah, and 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 I don't think, and this is the thing, it was all image. Yeah. There was no Satan in their shit. They, I mean, it was the idea of Satan. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, and this album, you know, it's called Shout at the Devil, and it has a pentagram, depending on which version of the album cover you have. It might have a pentagram on the front or a photo of the guys on the front. But either way, it, it's not a satanic album. Mm-mm. We'll just get that right out, out of the way here. The lyrical content isn't like pro-Satan Mm-mm. or telling stories of Satan or Satanism. It's nothing like that. In fact, it's a little bit... Uh, almost a little bit of the opposite. Uh, as the story goes, I think Nikki, uh, I don't know if Tommy Lee was involved. I think primarily Nikki had been dabbling in, you know, occult yeah. stuff like so many of us did back then. And he had an interest. And there's a story about Nikki being so freaked out about something freaky that happened in his apartment. Something moved or, a, or you know, whatever. There was some sort of possession happening. Of course, it was probably effects of a bunch of drugs and alcohol. Could also be California. That, that Could place be California. <laughs> yeah, it does. And so he was freaked out. And so it's almost a, like, shout at the devil. Yeah. You know, like, like, hey, buddy, stay away. We're not trying to get fucked up here, devil. Um, something like that. No, I, I think it's it's almost as simple. I don't mean to interrupt. It's no, almost good. as simple as like when I was a kid. Uh, you remember these little nail? There was rubber bands, and there was a board with a bunch of nails on it. You can move and make little designs with the rubber yes. bands. Uh, oh yeah, you'd always make the pentagram. You make a pentagram because yeah. it was a cooler looking star. <laughs> of course, because <laughs> you know, stars were like you know they were there, but they had the one point. Yeah. But, but the pentagram, and this is why I think it's cool. It looks like it has horns. 
It's it's just a, it's a unique and cool looking star. I was making pentagrams way before I knew what they were because it's a cooler looking star. Yeah, exactly. I was doing the exact same thing, mm-hmm. probably based again on this album cover nope, or I, the imagery from their previous. album. I did it because if you did a good job that day, you get a star. Yeah, and it, my right here at the at the house we're at currently. Yeah, my former next door neighbors, right over there to the left of us was uh, I knew the kids. There was a girl in the house who was my age in my grade. She had two older brothers and then the mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And I knew that at least the mom and the girl were like into Jesus. They were pretty religious. They had a Jesus thing going on. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, again, I'm very young. I have the most rudimentary understanding of all of this. But I understood enough to know that for whatever reason, the pentagram and Motley Crue and Shout Out the Devil was like not cool to them. Yeah. It was like evil or shady or we're not fucking with that. So my little wise ass would march myself right over there on the sidewalk in front of their house with my sidewalk chalk, <laughs> and I would draw a big pentagram on the sidewalk square so, um, out in front of their home. <laughs> and they were very upset. Very unnecessary. <laughs> it, it started so early. You can see almost nothing has changed. <laughs> you know, now I'm running around poking at school districts, uh, fucking you know. their shit up. I started... When I was five years old. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, but you've never lost that love of sidewalk chalk painting. No, I very, still love it. You're very Mary Poppins in that respect. You go yeah. out and you paint. <laughs> yeah, I love a sidewalk chalk pentagram. <laughs> uh, do you have any feelings or knowledge or I anything remember, about uh, this? For my first exposure to them, and, and I'll keep it short, that was sure. a very good. As was really Granite Run Mall. Granite Run Mall had... Uh, there's a Granite Mall, and in malls local were, mall local near mall where we are here, here in Delco, but even far away from like the music stores and everything, there was like a, a you know the now showing uh, the poster yes. cases, and there was there was a picture of them. I think it might have been smoking the boys' room album, but it was them. It was Pop Motley Crew all in this big poster, yeah, and it just said a Crew underneath it. And this was in a, this was in a mall next to like a, 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 something like a Claire's Boutiques, you yeah. know, like like it was just an interesting time. <laughs> Like I think that might even have been like there was so much cross promotion through this gender bending, uh, you know, eighties glam rock. But it, I'd hate saying that about them. Glam, they weren't. They they did take. I that mean, they glam. yeah, they certainly were. They they glam rock, the pre existing glam rock of the seventies and moving into the early eighties was obviously definitely a huge influence right. on Motley Crue. Um, but they had their own spin. Mm-hmm. They and and particularly with this album. Uh, in fact, uh, just one last note, in celebration of this album and, and the first Motley Crue album, which is Too Fast for Love, I have a tattoo right here on my left shoulder mm-hmm. of the very pentagram that's on the Shout at the Devil album. Right. And to make it clear that it celebrates Motley Crue, I put a little umlaut ah, on top of it, umlaut. the two dots, yeah. uh, just to you know give a nod to... You know, that it is a celebration of the first two Motley Crue albums, in particular this one. As this album goes on, I would love to talk about the imagery oh, yeah. of, of of this band versus the imagery that you guys employ. Yeah. Well, maybe should we get into the album? Should we do it? The opening track, the intro, is called In the Beginning. It's very cool. Give it a listen. Moody. This came out of your room at five years old. Yeah, dude.
fucking love this. what I wanted to hear. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here we go. I'm at the bathroom. Title track. This is Shout at the Devil. Now, it was Too Fast for Love a big, the first album, was that a big deal? or did, It wasn't a big commercial success. But what was on that? Was there, do you know any singles? Like, live Wire. I mean, oh. yeah, Live Wire might have been yeah, maybe the most popular. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I, 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 if I had to choose only one Motley Crue album, it would probably be Too Fast for Love. That's probably my number one, Shout the Devil being number two. It's Dio, man. How many people tried to copy this? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think Sebastian Bach dumbed himself down to sound like this. <laughs> yeah, that man can sing his ass off. Hell, yeah. He's, 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 he's up there. And for many of our listeners out there, you might get the sense that you don't know some of the references or things that Jerry and I talk about. That's because we're old, just for <laughs> yeah, the record. Oh, yeah. I forgot. This is a young... Oh, yeah. yeah you're corrupting young minds. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> what is the median age? You get stats. What is the median age? Actually, you guys are... I I've, really been, I've been to your parties. There's a lot of... There. There's we've 50 got a varied... We've got a mix. 50, yeah. 60, 10-year-olds. Not 10-year-olds. 20-year-olds. I think... I think the youngest member of Satanic Delco currently is maybe 19. Oh, good. I think we have a 19-year-old. And as for the oldest, I'm not quite sure. I know we at least have 60s. I'm pretty sure we have 60s. Mm. I think. And everybody in between. And they're so crisp. Yeah. I like that Vince Neil stayed blonde too. Like he 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 set himself apart from uh, from the rest of the band. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. Everybody else had the black, very dark look. Uh, not Vince. Frontman Vince had to pretty himself up. Yeah, beautiful man. The Back ladies then. loved the young Vince. They sure did. I'm sure if he put out his porno video, and this time it would have been okay to watch. The later one, not so much. A little rough. It was not fun to look at. Yeah, see, this is a great way to start a to start a show. Oh, hell you know? yeah. Missed all of it. Man, it was going to this concert was super interesting though. There were people like way older than me and way younger. I mean, I was twenty. Jesus, I was like twenty-seven, and it just everyone looked like they were having a great time <laughs> yeah. and dressed inappropriately. Right. No matter, I mean, some people just didn't dress for their body type. Not shaming it. Big fan of Lizzo. Big up Queen. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, and then I am not so much. I am. And so, like, it was just a. It, they, they appealed to so many different people through. So oh, many here at the riff, Jar. Oh, yeah. Track three looks that kill. This was a. Sexy this was the song. one that got me. And I like when he, um, when Vince, when he sings the chorus. Yeah. She's got that. And he just voice goes way down. You know. Can you imagine, man, 1980s L.A. whiskey a go go the strip. Yeah, 
God. For some reason, every woman had abs. <laughs> Is and, that right? Uh, I mean, every picture you see, like, these like, women are hyper fucking, like, in shape, and it's all because of Jane Fonda's tape. <laughs> you <laughs> That's know? right. We were, we're again, yeah, we're we had old. everything in the 80s. We had Jane Fonda, we had Jazzercise, I we ran, had everything. I ran Contra <laughs> Affair. Yeah, Ollie North. Yeah. Sorry, younger listeners. Yeah, you gotta get, you gotta, everyone says, like, I can't, I would love to live in the 80s. Yeah, listen to Tommy Lee's drums, yeah. too. Holy crap. He is a good drummer. What I appreciate most about this stuff, too, is theater. Molly Crew had a good idea of what they wanted to look like and how to present themselves. Yeah. And I and again, this goes back to what you're doing, you know, what you guys are doing. Like, there is a darkness, there's a darkness to what you guys do, and I think a lot of it's theater. Like, Ghost is theater. Yeah, Twin, well, I was just thinking Twin back Temple. to um, uh, the, you know, especially the early years of Motley Crue, but really all throughout, whenever they had a new album cycle you know, album and tour and all of that stuff, they sort of reinvented their aesthetic. They had a look. So when you look back through the history of Motley Crue, for example, you see all the very distinct different eras Mm. and the different look that they took on for each one. And a band like Ghost, who is so popular now, certainly amongst Satanists, uh, many of us enjoy Ghost, they do the same thing. They've got a whole different little vibe, a whole thing that goes along oh. with each album cycle, oh, yeah, think, and that's been going on for a long time. Think about it. Madonna, Kiss did it as well. Madonna. Sure. Madonna consistently, I don't know what she's doing now. I, I think she's a robot. And uh, <laughs> Cher. I mean, we, we shit on Cher, but Cher came out of nowhere with Turn Back Time. Oh, yeah. While, while being popular in the 60s and was like, holy shit, you know? How about Mick Mars right here ripping this solo? Yeah. Stationary ass Mick Mars. <laughs> Poor guy. I felt so bad for him. Just sitting there, everyone else is waving around and shit, and they just plop Mick Mars. They wheeled him out like he's fucking uh, Hannibal Lecter, and Sons of the Lambs plopped him there, and there he stayed. Because he can't turn his neck, poor guy. He's still alive, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I just couldn't get sick of this, man. I loved it so much. Still do. That might also be my problem with religions, too. They don't really change too much. They sort of stay stat- static, you know? Yeah. They, they, I mean, they don't put Jesus in a new a new outfit every seven years, and they keep it fresh. Yeah. They do change his, his ethnicity depending on who you are. <laughs> I love looking. True. I love the black Jesus. I love the Arabian Jesus. I, the white Jesus, I don't believe. There's no fucking yeah, way. Yeah, somehow Jesus <laughs> did get very white. Jesus turned into a fucking, yeah. <laughs> Jesus is an Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> Irish Jesus. Jesus O'Malley up there. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that? The kill. I like it. He's the way he enunciates kill on this is amazing. And I can't separate. Again, I'm, I'm going to keep adding things to this, yeah. to the theater of it all. This is a pro wrestling thing too. Yeah, they don't believe in any of this shit. Oh, sure. You know, so they—it's they, a gimmick. I know the music is not yeah. the music's quality, but the overall aesthetic is gimmicky because they're drinking drugs. Well, they did love drinking and drinking drugs, drugs and sex, sex all the time. Yeah, I mean that book is pretty consistent throughout. Yeah, the whole I mean I've talked about sex, drugs, and rock and roll many times. This is the uh, I'm sure on different it. episodes throughout, and I'm sure I will again. But it really is a part. I think I've described, you know, in Satanism, we talk about, oh, just a moment. This is track four. It's called Bastard, for those of you playing along. Um, Hear that little Marilyn Manson, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, long before Manson. For sure. 
And I'm sure Marilyn Manson was heavily influenced oh, by these guys I, I early on. How couldn't he be? He's a, he's a gimmick, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm saying that it sounds like I'm being insulted. Right. Well, yeah, gimmick is a little cynical. That can have a negative connotation. I don't mean it that way. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, but yeah, they had a they had a hook. You know, they had a you had to have an image, especially in the '80s. That was a big part of it. I mean, how many people got into this and then immediately got into like uh, what, what, what's that? What, death? What's that name of that? What's that first? The first big black metal band? I, it wasn't Death. It was. What are you talking about? There's a black metal band that was big. Black uh, metal? Like real satanic black metal band like mayhem or yeah, something like or, that but it was like early like early i don't, I don't know much about all the death and black metal bands i did I, I forget what it's called i think it was death i don't know i might be wrong death i think yeah that sounds so simple i'm just saying shit <laughs> welcome to our other show where i just say shit yeah tommy's going oh and this one uh, a memory that i have of this track bastard so, again, I was very young. I'd be driving around in the car with my mom. We're listening to this album. She was a big fan. I was a big fan. We had a blast. And when I would sing along with this song, I knew that bastard was like some sort of a bad word that I probably wasn't allowed to say. Now, in retrospect, I realized I probably could have said any damn word and my mom wouldn't have cared. But at the time, I just thought I'd better keep it tight. So I would sing Batman. 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 <laughs> That's what I would sing when the chorus came That's along. adorable. Yeah. Yeah, right oh, there. You're an adorable man. <laughs> Batman. I remember my mom saying jerk off wasn't a bad word. Bad word. My mom, at a very young age, told me specifically that Mr. Rogers is a jerk off. That's what she said. I don't like it. It stuck with me forever. I didn't like watching the show, but I did like later documentaries about Mr. Rogers. I was like... This guy really believed this shit. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a gimmick. Did I just? I can never tell. Did I just have the music so loud, like we were talking, like over it or something? It's I don't a consistent know. and total complaint. Who knows? <laughs> that, that people aren't going to hear us. That's okay. We're talking. If loud you're here for the the talking, the music is ruining it. And if you're here for the music, the talking is ruining it. So well, I apologize great. to wow. everyone, but me and Jerry are just going to have a nice time right what's now. Great, what's great about what's great about your show is mostly talking. So like, right? People will just turn this off immediately. <laughs> All you hear is bass. Well, they love to hear from Jerry. They and, love hearing uh, you. You know, this is your show. It's not mine. I'll give it to you. I'd gladly. I help. would like you to just host a few episodes of the show on sure, your own. I'll do that. You know, I'll give you like maybe a topic or some things to talk about, and we'll get Jerry's take. Yeah, no, you're gonna, you're gonna have to get my take. We're gonna have a guest. It's like, what do you think? And it'd be that over and over again. <laughs> we what should. Do, that's a think? great experiment. We should try we'll it. Try it. This is track five. This is a little instrumental number called "God Bless." The Children of the Beast. So this wasn't a satanic album. Well, <laughs> Mick Mars may have had other ideas. <laughs> yeah, Mick Mars, the darker of the story. He was old. Then. He was older. He's a bit older, yeah. Like this. You hear a lot of influences in this. Sounds like Cemetery Gates by Pantera. <laughs> this predates Cemetery I Gates. know, influence. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, kind of early, especially more mainstream, uh, darker rock bands or whatever, this album was right in there. I can't, yeah. You can't shit on it. You can make fun of of, of Warren. (laughs) You know, you can. Sure. Uh, Sometimes not exactly uh, permissible. They were good. 
Warren I mean, some- Uncle Tom's Cabin fucking slams yeah, to this great, day. Great but album. Aside great from that, I don't really need Warrant in my life. Who's that one band that you forced me to listen to? Was it Warrant? <laughs> I don't know. No, it was. Oh, here we go. Track six. This is a cover song. Helter Skelter. Mm. Of course, a Beatles track. Made famous by Murder. Yeah. And I no love one, this. No one knew what that shit man. Yeah, dude, pretty ballsy to cover a Beatles album. They fucking nailed it, though. Beatles song. This is my favorite version of that song. Oh, shit. I don't know. What's your favorite Beatles song? Um, Motley Crue's version of Helter Skelter, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think Happiness is a Warm Gun. That's, that's, my, that's yeah. my favorite one. I, I think lyrically. This, this album just, you know, and, and others like it. It didn't even matter what the specific song may have been written about. I got enough information into my little brain at that time to just know that these dudes were cool motherfuckers. And they were, you know, they were over there. They were like, you could view them as like the bad guys, but you wanted to be with the bad guys. Sure. You know, which of course leads right into Satanism. Ah, well, Satan, yeah. the bad guy. I'm down with that guy. Yeah. I like his vibe. That's the thing. I, I I bring it up often and daily, and I know it's it's weird. It's a, I grew up as a kid as a big fan of pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So like the look doesn't exactly have to match how you feel. Sure. You can be that person and be somebody else too. And I, and I, I that might have fucked me up my whole life to be honest with you. <laughs> like I'm never really authentic, but the uh, yeah, you can be this guy. And not have to eat babies. That's for other people who believe that shit. <laughs> Sorry, I know you guys don't like that term. <laughs> it's uh, it's inescapable. Why? Super weird. I keep forgetting about Tommy Lee, man. The drums are just real so solid tight, rock you know? drummer, man. I'll tell you what. Another little credit to Tommy Lee, less so on this album, but real prominent on the first album, Too Fast for Love. Tommy Lee could rock a cowbell like no one I have ever heard since. He used a cowbell a lot. Like you think, oh, it's a little novelty bit of percussion. You put it in every once in a great while. Dude, he worked the cowbell throughout that Too Fast for Love album in real creative and fun ways. And I fucking love it, man. Right. I've never heard anybody so good with a cowbell <laughs> as early Tommy Lee. I will Ferrell. <laughs> he did his best. That's a timeless, a timeless skit. Yeah. Christopher Walken and Will Ferrell. I mean, come on. This... I, this is one of my favorite. I wish we did this on our. I'm, I'm gonna stop calling it other show. People who know us know us from this. You know, it's what we do. Contentious. That was cover of Helter Skelter. Coming up, track seven. This one's called Red Hot. I'm surprised we never did this on our, on that one though. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah, now I know where you get it from. Listen to that shit. Joseph has his own bands, and I think every <laughs> song starts out like that. All right. <laughs> every song starts out that way. Well, man. That is not true, but Lady. it would be pretty fun. <laughs> See, if I was as big as you, I would do everything I could. I would do everything I could to sell whatever I do. You don't talk about any of the shit, other shit you do. 
No, I, would, I mean, people are here for a reason, and I just respect it. Nope, I would brand confusion is my game. That's good, Jerry. Yeah, I'll never get that. I would load everything into one thing. But I also did just bitch about paying religions. That's right. But pay me, that's okay. How are you feeling about this album? Are you hearing uh, anything I, you like? You I like any like of this? All. Are you I, paying I, any I, attention to it? I, I don't. <laughs> Generally, I don't. I mean, this is what we do. I do this every Tuesday with you. And my job, I take it seriously, is to talk over the music. So no one hears it. Well, you certainly could listen to the music as well. I'm happy with this. I don't like this song as much as I like the other no. ones. This one sounds a little... I don't know. I haven't heard the whole thing. What I do like about them is they don't do that stupid shit where they play one song, and in the middle they play another song, and never go back to the original yeah, song. Yeah, I know you don't. I you, don't You like have that. an issue with uh, songs that are too... Um, I don't know. Where they turn into... Versatile. Songs. Yes. The Who <laughs> and Black Sabbath are major offenders of this. Yeah. I'm going to look at my phone, only to find out when this album was released and what its contemporaries were. It was uh, 1983. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I'm going to do it. So this is going to be a good experience. What I, that's why I love looking at this type of stuff, because what was big when this was big? I yeah. swear to God, Michael Bolton existed in the yeah, same world. Yeah, this came out specifically at the end of September 1983. All right, top 40 in September 1983. Eurythmic Sweet Dreams. Oh, yeah. Putting on the Ritz by Taco. Hot. Every Breath You Take by the Police. This shit, we are old. (laughs) (laughs) Getting up there, man. Maniac was the number one hit. No shit. Yeah. Like Flashdance. Michael Cimbello, Flashdance. Yeah, yeah. She Works Hard for the Money. Good jam. These are great songs. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Dude, the early 80s were awesome. Oh, my God. Don't Cry by Asia. I forgot all about that. <laughs> I'm okay without that one. Uh, Lawyers in Love by Jackson Brown. I don't like Jackson Brown. I'm, I'm not sorry. A dude. But, man, there was a lot of great shit. Dude, 17, Far From Over by Frank Stallone. All right. Now we're all talking. Right. Good Prom- for him. Promises, Promises, Naked Eyes. China Girl, David Bowie. Oh, there. I'm not going to do anything else after this because it's the only song we'll, well, I never listen to but love. True by Spando Ballet. Oh, boy. Uh, oh yeah, this is a great one, Jerry. Track eight, "Too Young to Fall in yeah, Love." Yeah, I know this one. Great song. Mm-mm. Yeah. Come on, man. Memorable riffs. Uh, this Guys, is a great I love a riff, and that's a riff. I'm surprised there is no Motley Crue on this. On this at all? Yeah. Maybe I'll get. Maybe I'll go to next week. Is there such a thing? <laughs> God, I would love to be in a fucking Camaro. Like, you know, like, no, like, what was the car that Vince Neil slept with the girl for just to have a driver car? I don't remember. That was a thing. It was like a Fiero or yeah, something like remember. that. <laughs> like a T-top. Mm. There was a short phase during elementary school, maybe around fourth grade, I want to say. Third, fourth grade, probably fourth. Uh, my mom had the IROC Z. Ah, with the T-tops. Yeah. 
and uh, we'd roll up to elementary school blasting, you know, Molly Crew and whatever else. Hey, it was listen, the best. Your mom didn't care that those back seats were only did made for luggage. Yeah. For small bits of luggage. Like yeah, a bag. Did not care. You were in the back seat. I was in the front seat. It was the 80s. <laughs> you shouldn't have been in the front seat. <laughs> Probably not. Certainly not with my mom driving, who, you know, had quite a track record for wrecking every car she ever touched, I including guess. those that weren't hers. You know, we like to say that uh, you're a rock and roll and counterculture. This woman. Every time I hear a fucking story about her, I'm like, this is a, a reckless woman. She was out of control. And But you know what? Sounds like a loving mother and and, and really included you in all of her interests. <laughs> she sure did. Yeah, I my wasn't, mom did I was her, included. My mom did all her dirt on her lonely. In so secret. Like, later I found out what a colossal piece of shit she is. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I love you, Mom. Sorry there, Mom. Patreon. <laughs> Loyal patron. Yeah, this 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 was. Mm. Yeah, Mick Mars was fucking working on this jam. I'm gonna tell you though, anytime Tommy Lee just has a singular bass drum, oh yeah, I'm um, that's it. all I need. And Tommy always liked the large diameter kick drum. Mm-hmm. He was into that boomy big kick drum, which I am a fan of that. Yeah, it lets you know it trains you as an audience. Like if the music stops and it's just the kick yeah. drum, you know what you're supposed to do. He loves a guillotine. And Vince Neil is a sexy voice. Yeah. It's legitimately, it's sex. This is good, raw dog, You feel that you are, uh, you're I'm, feeling I'm sort of aroused. I'm aroused amorous. by this man's voice. No, yeah. not amorous. <laughs> no. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> but clearly aroused. Oh, yeah. When I, if I stood up, it... Oh, please don't. That's funny. Actually, you know what? Do That's it. funny. That's what to say. That's funny. That's the first time you've rejected my penis. Let's, uh... <laughs> Oh, Jerry. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that was track eight, guys. All right, track nine coming up is Knock 'em Dead Kid. Mm. Another solid rocker here. Oh, what's that, Mick Mars? Another riff mm. for us? Would you put him on the level of a Morello? No. He's below Morello. Yes. Let's not get He's insane. not a riff master general. No, uh, Tom Morello, you know, I talk about the Riff Master Generals of the world, who is on the Mount Rushmore of the Riff, and I would say it goes like this in no particular order, guys. Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave, primarily. Uh, we've got Tony Iommi, of course, from Black Sabbath. We've got James Hetfield from the Metallicas, and uh, and and who's the, who am I forgetting? I just lost track of my own uh, list. Tom Morello. Uh, oh, Dimebag. Dimebag Barrel uh, of Pantera. Yeah. Uh, those four are probably the Riff Master Generals. Now, that doesn't mean... I'm not saying greatest not guitar saying player or whatever so that you, you means. Would, uh, I'm talking about the Riffs. Satriani. The Riffs. And, man, I defy you to have better Riffs than those Steve Ray Vaughan doesn't have the Riffs? No, man. He's not about the Riffs. He's about the craft. He's a badass, though. I'll give he's sure. Vaughan look, there's a ton of amazing guitar players and musicians out there, but those four are the Mount Rushmore of the riff. Are you Keith Richards, dude? No, come on. The satisfaction come on, is, a, the, is a timeless riff. Listen, it's not on the level. Time back Daryl is above Keith Richards. Of course. Eddie Van Halen. Dude, the riffs. Uh, 
I don't know, man. I, I, <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> I gotta, I've studied this for years. Time back, Daryl. I'm a scientist, bro. I know. I mean, Angus Young. I love Angus. I love that shit. But I'm saying. I don't know. I know, but I do. <laughs> I'm just saying, you don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I never fancied myself a music guy, and right. I think that's why this works sometimes. But I know enough. <laughs> that time back, Daryl. But I, well, I love I'm Pantera. You, we got it. We can and, go back and examine and the riffs. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. I, I would love back. to see what he have done later, but time back over. How, how do you, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen? Yeah, man. I mean. Am yeah. I think it might not take. Am I not understanding what a riff Eddie is? Eddie Van Halen really is a great, great, like among the best rhythm guitar players in the world. Rhythm lead. And people don't usually think of Eddie in that context because you think of Eddie, you think, oh, eruption, you know, leads. Yeah. And yes, of course, he was awesome at that stuff and innovative for the time and and a powerhouse. Um, but you don't think of Van Halen songs like, oh, the riffs. You know, like, what are the standout riffs? They had a few, sure. But, you know, they were a classic rock band with well-crafted, fun songs. So you wouldn't put, uh, uh, uh let's have a pot. Yeah, Jimmy Page, great, Jimmy Page, amazing, yeah. innovative, cool. I love that shit. I love it. Pete, uh, the who? Pete Townsend, same, yeah, yeah. but not about the riff. It's just a different, it's just a different. I guess I'm not It's a different it style of songwriting. It's a different focus with the instrument, you so know. I would look at a riff I just more, hold the riffs as, you know. I would see so riffs important. more rhythm-y than, than what they did. Yeah. Like, to me, it's like a riff is just a constant, like, garage. Oh, listen, listen to this. That. This is a fun ending. Jesus. Yeah. I know he can't do that anymore. No. Mm. Mm, good stuff. All right, track 10. This is our penultimate track. Love that you do that. 10 now. Seconds to Love. One of my favorites. That's all it takes, generally. One of my favorites here. He must have been young back then. Yeah. 10 Second Assault. Three slow, four fast, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I love this. Oh, I love this song. Did he what did he what was that lyric? Listen. It's just the whole thing is so great. Damn it. Great backing vocals. The gang vocals. Gang vocals. Love yeah. that. I, it's hard for me sometimes. They do it well. It's a great yeah. effect. Sometimes I just don't like it. Not, I think it's cheating. But if you just do wait, it, honey, like, till I tell the boys about you. Uh, he just said, bring a girlfriend, maybe bring two. What a dirty mother. This is how they were living. This is what was planted in my mind as a child. Oh, Jesus. I had Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> it was yes. different. Different you vibe. Know? It was It was still sexy, but like yeah. a little bit less. Um, funny, back then, hip-hop wasn't as dirty as it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it started out much more wholesome. And Big Daddy Kane wasn't wholesome, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's still talking about hoes and shit, but it was like, you know, it wasn't as... It wasn't about like fucking all the time, you know. It was yeah. Just having them. We don't use words like that here, Jerry. Hail Satan doesn't use hose, <laughs> or or the F. What's the F? 
<laughs> you don't know it? what the F word is, Jerry. I'm just kidding. We say fuck all the time. I know you guys say fuck. I was at your award show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was told to, I was told to read it. Jerry was, in fact, the host of our award show. I looked great that night. You did. I was very, very happy fancy. with that outfit. It was a red tie with a black vest, black shirt. I don't know where those shoes went, though. You lost them. I suspect they were... I had uh, basically bejeweled red shoes. They were yeah. beautiful shoes. And I think they were thrown out in a fit of rage. Mm. Satanic rage. These are the shoes that the devil bought from fucking some shoe department. <laughs> basically, not even name of a store. Just Mick Mars ripping department. again right there. He's been doing it the whole time. Now, here we go. A little breakdown. Yeah. A rare breakdown. Yes, that's that's intangible. I suppose it could be. And that's good. That's the things that amigos are missing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Subtlety. And this wasn't very subtle, though. We know what he's talking about. How old? Five. What's that? You were five. You were uh, like eight. You had to have been eight. No, you're eight. I was five. When this came out, eighty-three were six or five. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna say you're gonna. I was six. You're gonna say you're younger. Yeah, you were so quite a bit older. Oh, it's quite a bit older. Yeah, <laughs> you were well. No, actually, in, I, you so were was, well into elementary school. I was just school. about to turn six because it's yeah. September tenth. So ten days later, I was six. Yeah. No, this was like September twenty-fifth. Oh, so five days. I was five days into six. Yeah, you were much older. <laughs> Born January, dude. Yes, hey, five months later. Stop it. Uh, all right. Four months later, you were. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I prepared to plan it for your arrival. All right, Jerry, final track, number 11. This is Danger, also one of my most favorite tracks on this album. It's your favorite, is it? is. It's, it's right up there. Man, it's good. A little bit more of a moody vibe on this one. Listen to Tommy Lee. Motherfucker. It's not overpowering, though. This is their 18 in life. Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> you really got Skid Row on the brain today. I do, I did. It's funny. That was what it was I was forced to listen to was Skid Row. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, you were. I remember that was the first. We were doing grunge albums exclusively, and you're like, we got to do Skid Row. And I'm like, no. Great album. I was not interested. It was the first time we did something that wasn't grunge. Oh, look, they had little Sweet little bass vibe yeah, there. They couldn't escape it back then. Everyone had a keyboard. 
That keyboardist had the shortest career in Motley Crue ever. <laughs> yeah. He's on the floor. That's it. They, they sort of ignored the sound of the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, New Wave was a thing, you and know. Punk. Yeah. Punk, I mean, later later punk, you know, you had your Sex Pistols and stuff like that, you know. Like, they sort of just did their own thing. I, I, I can't say that, though, because I don't know what time this, I don't have I a I mean, they definitely had a unique vibe, there, there, no I doubt. I, I know that there were other people at the end that were more derivative. Sure. I can't, I, but I get them confused, you know, I don't know. Because at this point, I... I put I would lump them in a deep purple like because deep I don't know why I always put okay, them listen in, to this little Mick Mars yeah, business do that deep purple and uh, Motorhead but they, even <laughs> yeah. they even they didn't you know I I don't like I'm sorry am I gonna I'm gonna piss some people I don't like Motorhead I'm not, I mean I'm not the biggest fan in the I'm world okay you know them. I appreciate Motorhead I think they're funny <laughs> I, I guess I, there's I mean, an know, element of humor it's, yeah that's all it is to me I mean I, let me kill wait, let me this is, let me kill Meister. <laughs> great fucking name it is but come on he's a wild motherfucker yeah he he was you know he, he, he couldn't sing like good well i he mean he was the sound. right he was the right singer for motorhead motorhead yeah yeah i'm not a fan of motorhead all right <laughs> i feel bad saying all right i like the guy i love them all i love the idea that he's a uh, you know a rock star a beer drinking ugly man <laughs> he did his thing you know there's great pictures out there of lemmy wearing the shortest cut-off denim shorts you've ever seen on a human being. Right. Well, he's European. Regardless of gender, uh, he is rocking the Daisy Dukes. Europeans are like that. They they could wear short shit. They popular. They made the speedo okay for their world. When we lived in Europe, I remember the first time seeing that. Like women topless, women and men in their underwear. All right. There you go. All right. Europe, guys. That was Shout at the Devil, do you, the second album from Motley Crue. Do you usually have applause at the end of your Satan show? No. <laughs> no, but I figured why the hell not. Finish an album, let's give it its credit. Right. Um, Jerry, did you listen to any of that album? I did. I just heard it all. Okay. Uh, do you have any feelings? Do you have thoughts? Anything stand out? I, I The more I do this type of thing, the more I like the reviewing and all that, or going over being a critic and everything mm-hmm. like that. If I can talk over and have a nice time, I like the album. <laughs> right. If you hear any moment of silence, <laughs> that means I don't like this, and I'm getting angrier and angrier as we go along. Okay. So you enjoyed this? I really did. Did anything stand out? Was there one song well, or I mean, another that always, meant anything? Always be shout the devil. Looks that kill. Uh, big fan of that. The danger there. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, there was. Yeah, things I do that, love that jam at the end. There are things that stick out, and and it's an album I'll listen to again. I've listened to it on my own time, you know. So I, yeah. I, I didn't hate this. Yeah. You know, and 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 I love the I love the lore of them. I mean, to me, it was what this was the band that that I think more than like. The Stones, uh, no, or along the lines of the Stones, the Who, sans people dying like Keith Moon and fucking, you know. <laughs> so, like, this was the band that made rock and roll to me. Yeah. So, this is what a rock band does. Like, yeah. what Van Halen, I almost like felt like they pretended to be this because there was no way much. Just a different, different vibe. But yeah. Michael Anthony wasn't doing cool shit like this. Yeah. He was just having a real good time. He was just enjoying life. Yeah. He's he a small, small, round man with his Jack Daniels bass. Yeah. <laughs> that, like that this is some, real. he had some kick-ass uh background vocals i'll tell you that yeah. he had the high register it mm-hmm. was awesome yeah he's great don't catch me lying uh, but i think i started to say earlier sometime during the album and i i got off track I'm sorry. um but during 
in our, you know, in chats related to Satanism, uh, we often come upon the topic of magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when we talk about Anton LaVey, Church of Satan stuff, they they reference magic a lot. And, you know, people have different opinions or views about what that means in the context of LaVey and Satanism and all that. But for me, I always say that sex, drugs, and rock and roll are the things that feel most magical in my life, like real-life magic, the things that that seem awesome and wondrous and... Um, separate from the monotony of regular life are sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm. And perhaps rock and roll uh, primary amongst them, since, again, my earliest memories of life are centered around music and what music I was hearing and looking at on TV and experiences that I was having while the music was playing. And just almost every memory is attached to music one way or another. And this album was one of those most early ones that just blew my mind. Like, there was always background music. My first love was Michael Jackson. There was no escaping Michael Jackson when I was a kid in the early 80s. He was inescapable. Yeah, he was huge. My first concert was Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. But when I saw Motley Crue, forget it. I was like, whatever this fucking is, Mm -hmm. I want to be part of it. I had the broom. I'd be on the porch playing the broom. Along to this album, and it was amazing. That's awesome. That's being cute, and, and it did. It really planted the seed, and I think it set me off in the direction, it, it, the attitude that eventually turned into the type of person who would identify as a Satanist. Sure. You saw these sex, drugs, and rock and roll as a foundation building blocks. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people would see these as uh, uh, things that would degrade, erode uh, certain moral values. Society. Society. Yeah. So you saw it as uh, a way to build a skyscraper. Others see it as a way to raise to raise a uh, you know a good thing. So it's what are you talking about? Destroy. Okay. You see it as you see it as creation. Other people see it as erosion. Right. So it yeah. is what it is. Yeah, and you know I've I've loved it since 1983, and I think I love it as much today. Yeah, people really. Vil- people vilify all three of those things. Well, drugs sometimes drugs aren't good. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, indulgence without uh, compulsion. I say, mm-hmm. uh, I Anton, say. Anton's whole deal was live your best life. And that's what I try to do when I'm able, you know, we all do our best. DJ Khaled says the same thing. Yes. I was <laughs> just thinking of DJ Khaled. We the best music. Uh, Jerry, do you have any final thoughts or anything related to the album or anything at all? Really? No, no, no final thoughts. This was a, a thank you for taking me on a, on a walk Hell through yeah. your childhood. And Always happy to ha- have you. Having me on the uh, Satan Show. I look forward to hosting my own segment on this. Uh, yeah, guys, we're going to have some Jerry-hosted the episodes. The they may be bonus episodes yeah, on yeah, Patreon yeah, or Patreon. something. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> like, you know, figure it out. <laughs> figure it out with Jerry. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, guys, if you have a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. I hope you stay safe out there. And hail Satan. Come on, Jerry.